Well, hello, everybody, and thanks for joining us today for worship at Mount Pleasant. I'm so thankful for all of you that choose to worship with us online, staying connected with the church. Thanks for tuning in wherever or whenever you are watching this. Today, we're going to wrap up our series called My Golden Resolution as we've been walking through the golden rule of what Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 7, where he said, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. And so far, we've taken a look at what that means, what it looks like to treat other people the way that you want to be treated. We've discussed what it looks like to be understanding and to be kind, to forgive others, uh, to, to show generosity in our lives. And today, I want to wrap up our series by talking about hope. So I want you to think about this for a minute. Have you ever had a time in your life where you just felt like you had no hope? I can think back to a time when I was a kid. When I was growing up, we lived with my grandparents for the first several years before my family could afford a home. And my grandma, she lived right next to a cornfield. Now, that might not surprise you being from Indiana, but the the cornfield was right next to her property. And me and my sisters, we'd sometimes go out there and be playing outside or we'd play in the cornfield or whatever it is. We didn't have a ton of things inside. So we just, we were outside a lot. And I can think back to the time where there was one moment, there was one time where I was out there and I got lost in the cornfield. Now you may be thinking, Matt, how do you get lost in the cornfield? Just walk out, right? And you're absolutely right. Just walk out if you ever find yourself in that situation. But I was a kid and I was scared and I would be going one way or go another direction. I feel like I was getting lost and all of a sudden I had no clue which way to go and I was just stuck. I was lost. All of a sudden, I didn't know which direction to go. I had no hope. I lost all hope. In fact, I thought I, thought I was going to die in that cornfield. That's how scared I was. I'm pretty sure I just started screaming until my sister came and found me. But that feeling, that, that feeling of hopelessness is not something that any of us enjoy. Maybe you know what that feeling is like. Fortunately, there's a lot of people in our world, many people that live life without hope in a lot of things. If there's one thing that I really, really would love to have from other people, it's just a little bit of hope. I need people giving me hope about my situations, things that I'm going through and how to get out of it. I need hope. When you live with a sense of hope, your whole outlook can change. You're more positive. Maybe you see the glass half full. But when you have no hope, when you don't have any hope, your entire attitude can change for the worse. You expect disappointment. You stop living the type of life that God has called you to live. Hope is powerful. Hope keeps people moving. Hope gives us something to live for. I think all of us would love for people to provide us with hope. And so the challenge becomes, how do I give hope? To other people, right? How do I do that? That's what I want to talk to you about today. How and why do we give hope to others? And so I want you to think about this question. What happens when someone has no hope? Right? Just think about that for a minute. How would you answer that question? What happens when someone has no hope? There's a lot of ways that you can answer that question, but not many of them are very good. 
It's not a good thing to be without hope. We ought to be hope givers in this world. A couple of years ago, my grandma passed away. And I was fortunate enough to be able to visit her as she was sick and in the hospital one final time. And I remember kneeling next to her bed. And she was, she was unable to respond, but she was cognizant of, of what was happening around her. And it was in that moment that I spoke to her about the hope of what was on the other side. I kneeled next to her bed and I, I, I whispered to her as my mom was in the room and I just told her about the hope of, of what was to come and that soon she wouldn't have any more pain and soon she would be somewhere that was so much better. It's in that mindset that we find hope of what is to come. Maybe you would recognize these words from Edward Mote in his classic hymn. He says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. That so beautifully captures this idea of where hope is found, which is so foundational to our application of hope in our lives. We believe and we understand that hope is ultimately found in Christ. The psalmist tells us this. He says, The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Our hope ultimately is found in Christ, is found in God's love. And so today what I want to do is talk to you about a few ideas about hope. Why we should have hope, the reason that we should have hope, and how to deal it with others. I have three ideas from three different parts of Scripture that I think can really help you. So let's get started. Here's the first idea about hope. Number one is that there is hope for the past. Now that might seem like a weird thing to say because hope is really like a feeling of expectation for what is to come. That's really what hope is. But there are many people who get caught up in their past and because of their past, they have no hope for their future or for even right now in this moment. Your past is exactly that. It's your past. It's, it's in the rear view mirror. But so many people, so many people let their past stop them from having any hope. It doesn't have to be the case that we need to be the type of people, the type of people that, that help others see hope even for their past. Now, the Apostle Paul was somebody who had a past. And we could talk a lot about what he did before he became a follower of Christ. But that didn't stop him from having hope for how God was using him. In fact, by the time Paul reaches the end of his life or nearing the end of his life, you could say he was carrying some baggage from all the things that he had been through. I mean, the man's been beaten. He's been arrested. He, he's been abused. He's been, he's been shipwrecked. He, he's now a prisoner for Christ, right? What has happened to him has actually been a blessing. In fact, at, at this moment, all the things that have happened to him in his past are all coming together. When Paul wrote the letter to the Philippians, he was a prisoner in Rome. In fact, the Roman emperor Nero was not a fan of Saul of Tarsus because he knew the gospel that he was preaching, the message that he was preaching, that, that hope, that eternal life was found in only 
in Jesus the Messiah. And so Nero was not a fan of Paul. Paul's future looked bleak, to say the least. Things were not looking up for him. In fact, not too long after this, Nero would begin a persecution campaign against Christians, that he would throw them into his bloody circus for his entertainment. He was using Christians' bodies as human torches to light the streets of Rome. Rome was an uncomfortable place for Christians. But look what Paul writes in the midst of this. Philippians chapter 1, 12 through 14 says this, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Did you notice that? Right there at the beginning, look at this again. He says, now I want you to know that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. What has happened? Do you know what that is? That's his past, right? That's what he's been through. Those are the trials. Those are the tribulations. Those are the beatings, the arrests, the hurtful words, the conflict with the Jews, all of that. His past, what has happened to me. I think it's natural for us to think of the rough parts of our past. And when we think about those, even the parts that are fault, we begin to believe that those parts, the rough parts of our past, they can't bring any good into our lives. We think of them as a stain, as a, a blemish on us. And if we could just forget it, if we could just move on, if we could just erase it from our story, then things would be better. I imagine that there's some of you that feel that way today when you think about your past. But that's not a story. In fact, your story will include the idea that there is hope for your past, despite the things that have happened to you or because of you. Or because of you, there is is hope for you. Why? Why would I say that? Why do I believe that? It's because of this truth that we find in Romans chapter 8. Paul says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, right? Not just good things, in all things. That means that no matter what has happened to you in your past, there is hope that it can be redeemed. There is hope for your past. There is hope that it can be used for good. People may give up on you, but God never has and he never will. Paul continued speaking about this truth. He says, because of what has happened to me, right? As a result, It has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of those brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. People are proclaiming the gospel without fear in Rome, all because of Paul's past, all because of the things that have happened to him, all because he's in chains, others are being confident in their faith and believing that Jesus, that God is going to use them for good, there's, there is hope for your past. And we need to be the type of people that speak that truth, right? We, we believe that, 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 that past don't define us. They don't have to dictate what is next in our lives. I want people 
to remind me of that. I want people to remind me that, that despite my past, there's, there's hope for that. There's hope for me that it can be used for good. So we got to start doing that for other people as well. Maybe you need to be reminded of that today. Your past doesn't dictate how God sees you. Satan knows your name, but he calls you by your sins. God knows your sins, but he calls you by your name. This is why we believe that there is hope for our past. I believe that maybe today I'm pleading with somebody who's watching this, that for for too long, you've hung on to this idea that because of what has happened to me or because of what I have did or because of anything in my past, it's held you back. And that you didn't think there was hope for you. There is. I need you to believe that today. Here's the next idea that I have for you to consider about hope. It's understanding, number two, that there is hope for right now. This is where so many people need this in their lives, recognizing that there is hope in whatever situation they find themselves in right now. You've been there, right? You've had moments where something happens in your life and you just lose all hope, right? As as Christians, we believe that there is hope for this moment. That truth is expressed as the Hebrews writer writes this. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. We know that God is faithful. We know that, right? We sing that deep down. I think that we truly believe that. And that belief, that belief is what gives us hope for right now. The prophet Habakkuk felt deeply the injustice in his society. He was in a very similar state to where many people find themselves right now, losing hope and what is happening around them. Whether you watch the news and you lose faith or you find yourself in a situation that makes you wonder if God really even cares about what's happening to you or what you're going through or if he's even paying attention. That feeling of hopelessness in your situation, something real, something that a lot of people feel from time to time in their lives, wondering how what they're going through right now is going to play out. You see, when I was in that cornfield, I lost all hope. Right? I had th- given up. I thought, I thought it was over. I thought that was the end for me. I thought there was no way out. I thought I had been forgotten about. People feel that. I wonder if you have moments like that in your life right now. When things happen, you just think there's no way out. There's no hope. If you feel those things, if you felt those things, then these words... These words are for you. Habakkuk's words were written in a time of national upheaval characterized by gross social injustice. I mean, his culture, it was on the way to domination by the Babylonians. Things were not going well. Habakkuk's words, though, are different than many prophets. Most prophets are speaking on behalf of God. God tells them something and they tell that to the people. Habakkuk's book, his prophecy, his words are more like a journal, a personal journey through uh, his understanding of God and, and this idea that he's trying to believe that God is good and that God is in control even when the world around him doesn't reflect that. That's what his words are about. And so Habakkuk goes back and forth with God on his plans. Then the prophet 
he ends his book with these words. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 19 says this. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. When everything else is bleak, when everything else is falling apart, when there is nothing in this world to give me any hope, I will rejoice. We hold on to hope because God is faithful. And I don't know who needs to hear this today, but maybe there is someone here that you're listening and that you need to hear this. You need to know that there is hope for you right now in whatever situation that you find yourself in. God is faithful. God is sovereign. Maybe you find yourself in a situation in your marriage where just things aren't how they're supposed to be or something's happened or something's been said and you just feel like there's no hope. There's no hope for us. It's never going to get better. There is. There is hope. There can be hope. Maybe you have a relationship with a child that has been estranged and you just feel like things are never going to be right, never going to get back to how they were supposed to be, that love has been missing. Maybe you just feel like there's no hope for your kid. There is. Or maybe it's at work and you have a job where you just feel like you're never going to be happy, you're never going to succeed, or you're just never going to get to where you need to be. You just feel like there's no hope for me here. There is. There, there is hope. Church, this is what we live with. We, we serve a God who, who gives hope. That, that's who we serve. Even in situations that are bad or unfair or, or just downright depressing, God is a God of hope. That's, that's who he is. And you can have hope that he is working even in your situation, that there's a purpose. Now, even if all else fails and you don't understand it and you don't understand anything else, you can still rejoice because God is faithful. So let me give you some practical advice, right? Let me give you three quick ideas on how to have hope in the midst of trouble in your life. Here's the first idea is to remember that there is pain in pruning, right? That means that even in the difficult things in life, we are to remember that that could be, it could be the very thing that is helping us grow. Jesus said that God prunes us to make us fruitful, right? When you have a situation that isn't ideal, it could be the very thing that is preparing you, that is helping you grow to get to the place where you need to be. So remember that there's pain in the pruning. There's there's pain in this process and that you can have hope that you can come out better on the other side. Here's the second idea. Remember that God is in control. That doesn't mean that everything that happens to you is directly because he planned it. Sometimes, sometimes people's choices, other people's sin bring harm on us. That's just the reality of the world that we live in. But we really do believe that regardless, regardless of what happens, God is in control. He is sovereign over everything. And we can find hope for better days by remembering that God is indeed in complete control of everything, even right now. 
The last idea is this, is to remember and read Scripture. Here's what I think. I think that every time you are beginning to lose hope in yourself, you're beginning to lose hope in God or in your situation, the devil is ready to pounce on you. He's ready to feed you more lies and disbelief and help you question the very things that you believe are true. The same way that we fight Satan is the same way that Jesus did in the desert with Scripture, right? You want to find hope for yourself or hope for someone else in the midst of a rough time? Read the Bible. It's filled with hope. It's filled with messages and stories of God redeeming and rescuing people from their situations right now. Paul tells us this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. (laughs) Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. There's hope for you right now. No matter what situation you find yourself in, maybe, maybe you need to be pruned. Maybe you need to just believe that God is in control. Maybe you need to take a deep dive into scripture, but it is there. There is hope right now, no matter what you're going through. I want you to believe that. We have to believe that. Here's the last idea. There is hope for the future. Now this is where I really want to spend a little bit of time today because I think this is what it's all about. We have hope for our future. And that is something that we can never lose sight of in this life. Hope is really an anticipation, again, of of what is to come. Hope for the future is what keeps us moving in the present. I remember when my kids started to learn how to use forks and spoons, right? Do you know how painful that is to watch and be a part of? Like, it's a spoon. It's not hard, right? But, but there is a process. There's a process you have to go through. These are moments, there are moments that you just have to let them do it, right? And you have to watch and it's messy and you have to clean up the mess, right? It takes a while for them to figure out. But the way that you manage through that, the way that I manage through that is the hope for the future. The hope that one day they're going to be able to feed themselves. One day they're going to be able to do this without making a mess. One day they're going to be self-sufficient in this area. That hope for the future is what kept me grounded in that moment. Hope for the future keeps you stable right now. But hope for the future should also change you right now. There's anything that we need to be reminded of. It's what is to come. You know, when we started this series, we based it off of Jesus' words, right? To, to treat others the way that you want to be treated. I remember the day that I got it. I, I truly got it as a follower of Jesus, where I surrendered. And it was with a man named Dennis uh, who went to my church and he invested in me, helped me realize what my future would be without Jesus. My life changed because of my hope in Christ that day. And I am forever grateful that someone cared enough about me, even in my young age, to share that with me. 
shouldn't we all care enough to treat others the same way? The Apostle John wrote these words down when he received his vision of the future. And here's the deal. This is something that we don't really talk about very often. We don't talk about it enough in church. This is our future. This is where all of us are going to be. I want to walk through this together. I want to walk through this text together and talk about this as we look to our future. Revelation chapter 20 verse 11 starts out by saying this. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. One day, this is where we're all going to be. This is all that is going to be left. It will all pass away. And there will be a throne with Jesus seated on it. Verse 12 says this. He says, and I saw the dead, great and small. Now, what's that mean? Great and small, rich and, and, and famous, small, poor, unknown, everybody. Everybody who has ever lived will be there. What were they doing? What were they doing? Standing before the throne. For what? Their judgment. This is where all of us are going to be one day, no matter who you are or what you do or what you do now, no matter how rich you are, no matter how together you have it, no matter how messed up you are, no matter how many times you've messed up in your past, no matter what, we will all be standing there. We are all coming for this moment. And this is something we just don't talk about enough. This is reality. This is our future. All of us are going to be there. All of us are going to end up at the same spot in the judgment seat of Jesus. We will all be there. Why don't we talk about that? Why don't we talk about that very often? We talk about how to live better and how to do things better and how to be a better Christian, but we don't talk about this very, very much. This is important. He goes on and says this, and books were opened. What books? The books that that record everything that you do. Everything you do, everything that you say, everything that you've ever done, it's all been recorded. It's all in the books. Nothing is a secret in this moment. It's all been written down. He finishes by saying this, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. The judgment for all of us will come on this day. And for some people, it's not going to be a good day. It's going to be a day that brings eternal punishment. But then he ends with this verse that that should just compel each and every one of us. Verse 15. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life, was thrown into the lake of fire. Listen to this. Anyone who dies apart from Christ has their fate permanently sealed at that moment apart from God. 
Guys, this is, this is what it's all about. This is real. This is the future. You can't opt out of this moment. You will be there. Your friends will be there. Your family will be there. Your coworkers, your neighbors, everybody that you know is going to be here. We are all coming for this moment. But there's good news. Now someone has come to save us from this. Someone has come to bring us hope for our future through the work of Jesus Christ. Your name can be written in that book. That book, Church, we can have hope because of Jesus. Our hope is found in the work of Jesus Christ. How then, because he has saved us from this, do we not give him our worship? How then, because we know this truth, we know this reality, we know this future, do we not tell others? This should compel each and every one of us. There are people in your life who need to know that there is hope for their future. There is hope for them as a person. There is hope in his name. is Jesus. Peter wrote these words in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Why? Why do we set our hope there? Because Jesus saves us from this moment. When we get to the future, right, your hope becomes a reality. (laughs) Let's start giving people this hope. We can't keep it to ourselves anymore because we sure do need it. We sure know that we need this hope. We, We need this saving grace from Jesus. Let's start living out this hope in how we talk and how we react to life. And here's what I want you to see with all of this. I know I've bounced around a little bit from different parts of scripture, but the reality is this. People need hope in this life. They need hope that their past isn't the thing that defines them. They need hope that wherever they find themselves right now isn't the end of the story. And they need hope that one day God is going to welcome them into the eternal home. We have that hope. We know that hope. Listen, there's never been a better time to be a Christian. There really hasn't. This past year, our world world has gone crazy. People have, have lost hope in all the things that they have relied on. But we haven't. Christians haven't. We, we've kept our hope because our hope is found in Jesus Christ and it's like an anchor for our soul. It keeps us steady. We've got to be able to give this type of hope to other people. So here's what I want you to consider today. Who is someone that you could provide some hope to right now? Right? Who needs it? Who needs a pick-me-up because they're stuck in their past mistakes or something in their life that's happening right now, who needs a little bit of hope? Or maybe, maybe they need to know the eternal hope of Jesus Christ. Maybe someone in your life needs to know Jesus and you just haven't done anything about it for a number of reasons. Let's give them hope because we know it. When we do this, when we begin to do this, we, we literally begin to enhance the mental and the emotional states of people in our lives by bringing hope into their lives, it will make a difference.
Father, I thank you so much for how you love us. And I pray to you in this moment, as we've walked through this idea of hope and we've looked and discussed what it means to have hope for for our past mistakes and where we are right now and hope for our future, God, I pray I pray that you would put it on our hearts and help us to realize what this means for us. Help us to understand that we live differently because of the hope that you give us. That the hope for eternity, that, that one day we're all going to end up in the same spot and that we have hope. Help us to live differently. Help us to, to talk differently, to treat people differently. Help us to live out the hope and to give hope to the people who need it. That is my prayer. I pray that you would compel us in this moment to respond to your presence and to the hope that you give each and every one of us. It's in your name I pray. Amen. You know, maybe you need to have your hope renewed today. Maybe you've lost hope in your life or in God, your situation. Maybe today you need to come to Jesus for the hope for your past and your present and your future. One day, one, one day we're all going to be there. We're all going to be at that judgment seat of Christ. Some of us will have the living hope of Jesus available to us. And some people will not. Today, if you want to make sure that your future is written in that book of life, I want you to respond to that. Right now, if you're watching with a chat feature, uh, if there's a chat feature wherever you're watching this, your host is going to drop a link. And I want you to click on that link if you feel like you want to respond to the hope that Jesus provides for you in your future that you want to respond to him, that you want to accept him, that you want to move forward with a relationship with Jesus for the first time, you want the hope that he offers you, click on that link. We're not trying to sell you anything. We're not trying to do anything weird. We're trying to do ministry with you. We're trying to help you to follow Jesus. If you don't have a chat feature, I just want you to text the word hope to 317-751-1577 and we're going to provide you that same opportunity. We want you to be able to respond to the hope of Christ that is available to you if you want to. But maybe, maybe you've done that before, right? But maybe as you've listened to this today, you've realized that there's someone in your life that needs that hope. As we've talked about, do to others what you want done to them. You know that you need to give that hope to someone else. You need to give them the hope of Jesus. If, you, if, if someone comes to your mind and you want help, praying for them or you want help ministering to them you want help leading them to the hope of Jesus follow that same link allow us to do ministry with you to partner with you in prayer we are here for you as the church that's my only hope there's nothing nothing more important that will what will happen on that day let's make sure that our hope is secure and found in Christ